Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. Welcome to the Real Leaders Podcast. Is, is, what is your definition of a real leader? Ah, uh, yeah, well, is a leader is able to bring people together around, around purpose. We're at the start and end of every business week. Leaders around the world. I'm from south of Brazil. Who are taking on the most pressing issues. Sexist, like Brazil is already sexist, but mm-hmm. south of Brazil is top of it. Get the chance to inspire your career. It's so, like they really know how to not uh, deal with women in business. And when I saw that, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll prove that we can do it. These are their stories. These are your real leaders. They don't make more followers, they make more leaders. All made possible by Real Leaders Incorporated. Online, in stores, and around the globe. What a success story we have here today with venture capitalist Barbara Manuzzi from Brazil who discusses her background, what led to her new passion in blockchain and biotech, as well as any advice for you out there who could use some inspiration. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the real Barbara Manuzzi. Here with Barbara Manuzzi. Barbara, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. It's well, a pleasure. It's a, well, it's a pleasure to be here, and we we're just outside, and you have a lovely view of the uh, Bay. Is that the Golden, not the Golden Gate Bridge, but the Bay Area Bridge? Yes. Uh, I just moved here, so I'm feeling really great, and, <laughs> loving this view. And where did you move from? I was in Twin Peaks, Twin here Peaks. in the city. Yeah, oh, okay. so it's like one of the. It's a very nice view as well, yeah. but foggy, foggy as hell. But yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but you have a lot of nature, so it's great. And yeah, I was there for one year and a half since I moved to the city. Okay. And it's like 20 minutes from everything else, so it's good also to be in the in downtown like Soma. It's just you. Anywhere I go, it's like five minutes from here, so it's fine. And, and I bet folks are dying to know, where, where are you coming from? Where, where did you start out? Where were you born? Sure. So I'm from Brazil. I'm from south of Brazil. Uh, I moved to U.S. four years ago, first Miami, and then I moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been an investor for almost a decade. I'm 30 years old now, so I started when I was 20 which was quite weird. Uh, for It's still weird for my parents and my friends. Mm-hmm. So back then it was even worse. And first of all, I was an entrepreneur. So I was doing fashion design uh, in college. And I realized I really wanted to have my own company. I started right away. Uh, I was doing great, but that's when, like great in terms of sales. But that's exactly when I learned that working capital uh, for a small entrepreneur like that has a lot of sales and needs to pay everything in advance mm-hmm. and just receive the money like later on can be like very unfair so like my working capital was like super unfair right. with me and that's when I really understood more about finance by doing it like doing mm-hmm. all my spreadsheets and they're like wow how do you really make money and mm-hmm. then I understood that I wouldn't and I was like okay maybe I should do something else and because I was so young and my parents they're doctors they're not like they have never done business or invested right they were a little concerned, like, Barbara, you're 20 years old, and you were 
I started having like migraines because I was so anxious and concerned mm. about all the deliverables that I needed to uh, do. So I was just like, oh, what should I do? And they're like, I don't know, but something that should be healthier at least because this is too much. I was always nauseous, plus the migraines, they like find something else. And then when I was studying uh, and talking to friends, I noticed that the real estate market was booming in Brazil and was just like World Cup, Olympic Games were announced. And there was like a chance of just bringing a lot of money, international money to Brazil if we had like the great projects. So by studying that, I'm like, okay, I think I can do like small vehicles. And then I really studied like all the legal structure and the financial structure to do it. And then I started putting together like, oh, if I want to do, if I want to raise 1 million uh, reais, which mm -hmm. is like a recurrency, I would split that like in shares of 50K and then talk to my friends, in fact, like their parents, because they, did, they were as young sure. as me, so they didn't have money. So I would talk to their parents, like, hey, do you want to invest in this project? And it was something new in Brazil. My first projects, they were all low-income houses. So I didn't really have the risk. I had like, oh, there's Brazil is booming. Uh, international money is coming in. We need to solve uh, like the low the lower class uh, residents, like we need to have like houses for them. So it, the whole economy made sense and it was like very low risk for an investor mm. and the results were like fast. So like I would do a project, six months later, I would be already returning the investment to them and then they would be like, wow, she's doing something right, right? So mm. it was kind of easy, not easy, but it was kind of uh, fast proof that I was doing something right. And then I did that for three years Yes, and then in 2013, so like... So, let me, let me stop you right yeah. there. So, <laughs> that was a lot. So, you, you, you're first following your fashion. And folks, if you're listening to this, uh, Barbara's got a lot of swag. She's got a lot of nice uh, <laughs> stuff going on here. Her house is beautiful, very well decorated. But So, you're following your, fas uh, your fashion passion, if you will. And then you make this, uh, this aha moment and you say... Oh, well, I'm 20 years old. The fashion isn't really getting me to where I want to be. Um, this investing stuff and, and the financial aspect of uh, investing and uh, raising money and bringing it in and, and dividing up my shares and, and uh, helping out low-income families, it all kind of made sense for you. And it all kind of came together in that, that, I guess, for over the 10 years that you've been doing this, uh, how, how do you make that decision and say, hey, this, I'm just going to run with this? Was it just a spontaneous thing? I, I, this is what I'm good at? or No, it was tough, especially because when you were so young, uh, I was 20, and I was doing fashion design for three years already. So like from 17 to 20, I was like an entrepreneur okay. trying to do that. And to make a decision that you think you already have your career and that people will be like, oh, my God, she doesn't have any goes or like he doesn't she doesn't really know what she's doing mm -hmm. I was really afraid I was like how can I switch like I'm a fashion right. designer like now I'm, I'm an investor like no one will just <laughs> like really trust that but I really like every time I like something I go deep and then mm -hmm. I study and I learn and when I really saw that there was like an opportunity there not only as for him, just by investing on it but to change things and mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a big believer in like of big changes right mm -hmm. Like, in Brazil, we didn't have low-income houses until then. And you see, wow, that's, that's happening. And I can be part of this. And if I can bring people that have money to be part of this, maybe that's my strength. Mm. And I noticed that fundraising for projects that I really understood. Uh, Is that the hardest part? Is fundraising the hardest part? I mean, I, 
yeah, I was uh, talking to a financial firm that was saying, oh, here, give me 250 names of your closest friends and family and calling them on the phone for their money. And I'm sitting back, I'm like, what? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm 22 years old. Like, I don't want to be reaching out to my friends and family and ruining my reputation with them and asking for that money. Yes, I want them to be aware that I'm a financial advisor, but I don't even know at that time if I should, if I have the confidence to handle their money yes. to, to and go out there and, and stick my neck out and say, hey, can you lend me some money or something like that? And you just told me that you were asking for $50,000, not from your friends, but from your friends' families. Yes. What, what, what's that process like? Is, is it harder? Is it? What? In the beginning, it was... I was afraid too. I was okay. like, how do I do this? Like, how right. can I just like reach out and like, what, what are you going to say? Uh, like, are they just like going to laugh on me? Whatever. Right. So I was afraid. But as anything I do in my life these days, I, I'm a little afraid. Every big decision that I make, I'm mm -hmm. like, oh. but then I just do it. And that's what I did. <laughs> like, oh, should right. I? Yes, I should. It worked out. And then I started like connecting. And the more you connect when you're fundraising or doing anything, like you, every hundred especially at that time every hundred people that it would reach out one would say yes and then mm -hmm. yeah like from that one it wouldn't go more like for the people that i should follow up that only that person would just say like hey talk to my friend he also like what you're doing right and then okay. it would go like through that other side interesting okay so what really kept you going i mean i guess a lot of people are inspired every day every day by their passion fashion was yours at first and then it goes into hey, I, I really want to make this work. But like you said, you reached out to 100 people and sometimes only one would get back to you. Um, that's got to be a little defeating at some points. What kept you going every single day? I have two passions since the beginning, since fashion. The first one is like seeing ideas and transforming them in reality. I had that like with textiles that I would transform in clothes. Okay. I had that like with lands that I would see people living there later. Gotcha. Shopping mall, anything. You would just like transform a land and then you see it's real. People, you right. change their lives because of that. So fashion was like not that, not that important, you know? Like you're doing something, but you don't see like the change. But then when real estate came in my life, I was like, whoa, this is like huge. Like you really, I'm part of this. And that was like the first, that's the passion. But what keeps me moving is the challenge. I'm obsessed with challenges. So if it's hard, if I can't really do it, I'm probably doing it. Mm -hmm. So it was always like that. Fashion didn't make any sense when I was 17. And when I was 20, going to finance, like, it's private equity in real estate, right? So like doing private equity in real estate, no, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I'm from south of Brazil, which is extremely sexist. Like, Brazil is already sexist, but mm -hmm. south of Brazil is top of it. So mm -hmm. like, they really know how to not... Uh, deal with women in business and when I saw that I'm like okay I'll, I'll prove that we can do it and then then everything else is just like another challenge and right. another thing that I see that it will change uh, the way we we do it or we see it today so I'll do it and, and still in today in 2018 it's still sexist down there that's what you're kind of, you're kind of yes. saying and so you move to America and you realize Hey, these VCs are actually pretty nice, and yeah. you know this is something that I feel like um, I could fit in. And so, kind of explain to people what you're doing now uh, in terms of creating a positive impact in the world and, and investing in uh, social enterprises. Yes. So first of all, I'm. Uh, I, I don't really want to say that I'm an impact investor. I just like to say I'm a VC. Okay. And why? 
I really think venture capital is the way of doing philanthropy, the right way, because right. we're investing, like most of the companies we invest or most of the people we invest in, they will fail. So we have enough data to know that 90% of our early stage bets, they will not deliver any results for us mm -hmm. in terms of finance, but they will deliver a lot of results for us in terms of learning and changing things in a small way. So if we do that and we do that a lot, Yes, that's extremely impactful and that's positive. And a lot of people, when they do only philanthropy or they just donate money, they don't have a lot of metrics. They don't have a lot of measurables. They are not like really checking every single uh, thing they donate because it's not an investment. When you do investments, like you're really trying to see like how you can do that better, you are really hands-on. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's so uh, important to do VC because that's like the real way of changing things, you know? And, and what are you working on right now? So I'm in love with biotech and one specific area in biotech, which is clean protein. So, clean protein. Yeah. So imagine now we have meat, fish, pork, a lot of early stage companies developing lab-grown meat. Oh, so okay. you have, like we have finless foods, which is fish. Uh, they do it for the steam cells. Uh, they already have like the first try, the first batch, and it's... It's good. It's right. working. And then you see Memphis meats. You see, like, also plant-based uh, clean meat. It's the same okay. protein. So, like, you have um, Impossible Foods. You have other companies. And they're all really doing in a clean way. So, if we had... We already have problems of demand worldwide. We will not be able to support all the demand that we have for food. Mm -hmm. And then we also have the, the lack of cleanliness. Like, most of this products we have out there they're not as clean as they should be and then you lose a lot but you're also like really eliminating a lot of the nature so like you're fishing you're not using like not even like one fifth of what you're like fishing like taking out of the nature and you're just throwing away because it's not good enough right and once you do like clean protein like you you're doing it you're just like doing for these steam cells you're like just producing what matters which is the meat and not like really the fish or like right. the the cow it's like it's sustainable it's efficient and it's clean so like it's good in every single way and i'm not even talking about engineering any of these things because if we do that can be that can be a big fight because a lot of people will think it's like unethical mm -hmm. to change and like to really like add one thing or another i'm totally fine i'm a big believer of challenges and change right. so like you do it all together yeah i'm in so i really think that's good but uh, not going to that side that is a little bit more there's a lot of diverse opinions on that mm -hmm. but just like thinking about the real solution on sustainability and uh, protein that's amazing and, and I want to stop you right there uh, <laughs> so I'm thinking so like it's called uh, clean protein so essentially if I had that right uh, there's a lot of commercialization of fish and a lot of fish are being caught and not used and it's unsustainable it's it's harmful for a lot of uh, animals and and where you know why not just eat a um a fish that tastes the same it's healthier for you and it's made in a lab you know it's exactly it kind of just makes sense and that's some interesting stuff and it really hits home for a lot of people because i at least myself and a lot of people that i know are big fishermen you know coming mm -hmm. raised in the northwest and and i had that opportunity to go to alaska and, and fish on one of the most popular rivers for salmon this summer yeah uh this was the first time when uh, that family I stayed with had a down year. 
where in past years there are 120,000 salmon coming up a day to lay their eggs and uh, coming from the ocean to lay their eggs up a river, mm-hmm. and so they come downstream. This is the first year where their largest day was 60,000 fish, and when usually it's 120,000 fish. So we don't know what that com- what occurred, you know, really occurred that. So I, I'm not an expert on that issue, but I can tell you that you know commercialization fishing. Um, and then climate change as well may have played a factor in that. Just a guess probably happened. Um, yeah. But that's interesting stuff that, um, you know, there is a solution out there and people need to be aware of it. And that's creating change in the world. And that's what we find so fascinating here at Real Leaders. Uh, so biotech. So that that's interesting. And then we were talking about blockchain a little bit earlier. Uh, explain to people what investments you have in blockchain right now. Okay, blockchain, uh, we have three divisions, I would say. The main one, which is the foundational technology. So everything we need to make it possible that we're really using apps on the top of blockchain, right? That we're using the technology. Mm-hmm. Now we're still like on the early days. So we have a lot of ideas. We have a few apps that work. Most of them are just like getting started. So we need to invest first on mm-hmm. the technology, that layer. And then we go to things that are more like useful. So let's say empowerment, that's what the second division, which can be an app that send money to another country. So there's a lot of cases now that you, you probably heard about that, like Abra, it's an app that you can uh, send payments or send like money to your family in Brazil or in okay. Africa. And then right. you're not paying all the fees that you would be paying to Western Union. And depending right. like what kind of uh, country you're sending money, like. You, you might be paying 10%, average is 7%. So let's mm-hmm. say you were working in US, you still have your family in Brazil, and you were just making $100 per week. Then you send that, like you're really, you already lost seven to 10% of that money right. just in the transfer, so, and that's so, like tough. Right. So you're just like reducing the fees, by reducing the fees, you're empowering mm-hmm. people. So that's, that's what I call empowerment when we go for blockchain. Yeah. Uh, and that goes, that's extremely related to the cryptocurrencies so you can't really do that if you don't have bitcoin if you don't have another coin that you can really send through the app if you're sending dollars or uh, any other through western union we will be paying like the fees so you need the cryptocurrency to be able to use the app to make that now now what are people skeptical about using it i guess when i hear it i say okay well i'm gonna i'm going to send via blockchain a decentralized system to uh, my family in brazil going to send them $100. So what's great about that is I don't have to pay the 7% that I would you know, have to pay otherwise. Um, the downside that is I might have to be using, I guess the downside right now is for me, I don't have any Bitcoin. So I would have to purchase, is that how it works? I'd, I would have to purchase Bitcoin yes. and then send that to them. They would receive it in Bitcoin yes. value and then they would be able to use that uh, with whatever services that accepts Bitcoin. Yes. Is that correct? So okay. there's one, there are things that are happening that is good. Uh, some banks are partnering up with some apps. So Brazil, like especially like developing countries, you have banks charging a fee on the top of that, but instead of being 7% uh, in total, you'll be paying like probably 2.5 with the bank included. So it helps because then the, the, the customer, he doesn't even know uh, it was like a crypto transaction. He'll see the bank. He'll go there, he'll receive the money, he'll pay less fees. I think that's the best way of doing it because people are not ready. Mm. So like with the app, with the cryptocurrency, like with like changing uh, from one to the other, like switching, like it's just 
too hard and people are not ready. And mm. but it's really because people are close-minded and not right. willing to learn. Well, the, well, the whole financial yeah. crisis in U.S. Like if you go like, what do people really know about finance? What do mm -hmm. they know about like, oh, where is my money when I put when I put my money on the bank? Mm -hmm. They don't know. And it's just a matter of like being really uh, out there and everyone is doing and then there's trust and then everyone just follows but right and, and we had I had the opportunity to interview a company called Aid Tech and what they do is they use blockchain to send donations to refugees okay. um, so why would you use blockchain well I guess the way that he explained it to me and to add to your point is um, it's transparent yeah. so you are going to be able to see and it's very secure you're going to be able to see where your money is in real time until it reaches the actual location. And then people in that area can uh, accept that donation um, and you can see what it's being spent on. So yeah. instead of donating to a, a nonprofit like the American Red Cross, don't want to hate on them at all, but um, in the past history, they're not being as transparent with where their uh, money is being allocated to. So I think there's a statistic that, and don't quote me on this, but it was <laughs> around like 20% of the, all the proceeds that uh, were given for the hurricane money was actually used on the hurricane relief with the American Red Cross. So um, what that, that's a big problem, right? Because yeah. people think their money is going to that area where, in fact, it's actually not. Uh, but with blockchain, you're saying is these investments, the financial crisis... People don't really know where the money is. Blockchain, you can see it in real time and where it's going. Now, what is the downside to that? Don't the transactions take longer? Um, yes, it still take longer. But if you compare it to a bank, like mm -hmm. you would pay thirty dollars to have a three, to have a same day wire, and you would pay fifteen dollars two day wire, and you would pay I don't know what like for right. three days. But it's just like. You pay fees to have uh, the efficiency sure. from like the financial institutions right now, and it is lower for the apps and for crypto. But it's not three days; it's like maybe mm -hmm. an hour. Now it's even now it's just a few minutes, but it is low. Right. <laughs> but people are not like really doing on the right way on the other uh, institutions, right? So right. it doesn't really matter. Well, I think I think what you're saying is spot on. It's like people are kind of. For but that, for that use case, right? Like mm -hmm. remittance, like. For that is like quite fast. I mean, for payments, uh, that is slow. Like we can't really do payments in the way we would like to do right. with crypto. Yeah. And and I think you were spot on with what you're saying. It was like people are kind of just they're they're inse not insecure, but they don't really like the word blockchain. And that's just a mental thing. That's just uh, yeah. there there is a, a a time that it takes for people to get a learning curve, really. And uh, we're at this conference at Singularity this past week, and, and people are saying, well, you know, get ready, because everything from technology is going to be exponential if you look at Moore's Law, and everything mm -hmm. is going to be going straight up. And right now, we're at the elbow of that curve. So once, um, you know, people start getting older and older, and, and the younger generation is coming up, people are going to be more in tuned, more educated about blockchain, and yes. it's um, wonderful... Uh, gift that can give to transparency and money um yeah. so you know why invest in blockchain what is this one thing that stands out to you that says this is what uh, the future of money transactions are going to be 
The main thing about blockchain is really it's a technology and it is uh, disrupting a lot of other technologies we know and a lot of services. And what you said about transparency, decentralization, empowerment, all that matters and all that is related to blockchain. Mm. Um, so that's why I'm bullish. Like I'm a really believer. <laughs> and even now it's so annoying because the market's down and you see like all the crypto investors from last year, they're all out, you know, right. like, and then you see like the real people, the real, uh, in fact, like the real crypto people that really believed in the technology and still believe mm-hmm. we are on the same page. Like we're not concerned. Mm-hmm. We're not, especially like some of them think they're losing money. We're not losing money. Like we're playing on this, like, like for the long term. We really mm-hmm. think the new generation, uh, our generation here, like we will use crypto. We will use crypto like every single day. We'll see this technology disrupting a lot of other fields in our space and that's fine. That's what should be done, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just annoying to see a lot of people, they just like read <laughs> the headlines and then they don't read like the entire mm-hmm. article and they don't even know what's going on. Is there anything you're so. worried about though? I mean, I guess the one thing for me would be crypto, uh, the cryptocurrency. It's uh, Bitcoin. You know, is, is Bitcoin going to be that alternative? Is is that going to be the coin of the future? Or is there going to be a new coin that's going to come in? Yes, it's a new coin. Like, we consider Bitcoin, I consider Bitcoin more like the digital gold. And mm-hmm. that's, like, huge market, huge value. Bitcoin will keep growing just because it was so well done. And if uh, you haven't read, like, the, the white paper, it's just, like, 10 pages. And it's really worth it because it's so simple. And that's where you really understand, like, how special is mm. this. And then you understand, like, Bitcoin, it's a protocol. And then you want to, to have more. Like, okay, this was really perfect to store value. And that's why it's our digital gold. But it's not, like, really... Uh, Efficient, it's not that fast. Uh, we have a, like scarce, scarcity. How do you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> have a limited amount of bitcoins, right? right? So you know that that's not a currency. That's not something will be used to do payments. And that's also one of the concerns from last year when the market was going uh, up so quickly. If you're sending money to Brazil, the money was just like you were planning to send a hundred dollars. Then when you see it's like two fifty, uh, good if it's your family, bad if you're, it's a payment, right? But right. anyway, so. That's uh, that's why Bitcoin wouldn't be the the use case for payments or like as a currency. But there's a lot of stable coins being launched. I imagine that especially like developing countries or there's like Venezuela and other countries that are just like they have their own. And I think that could work. What can go wrong? It's probably what will go right, which is U.S. really adopting uh, blockchain mm-hmm. and then you having like the government using. That's all they should want and should have. You have transparency about every taxpayer in this country, and then you probably get a lot more taxes paid instead mm-hmm. of just like uh, trying to, to go for the IRS on the way they do. So I think <laughs> that will go wrong in the sense that the decentralization will not happen. The whole idea of blockchain will, will kind of be stopped, but in a very good way, because mm-hmm. then like really having the power and the influence we need to have everyone now is understanding that, yeah, this works and we right. should trust. Now, uh, for our listeners back home, uh, di- we're talking about blockchain right now. We're talking about biotech. You're in fashion and you're doing this now and it's so cool. Uh, did you ever think when you were in Brazil you are going to be doing this 10 years ago? No, never. No? And what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Uh, especially these days, I have one of uh, our venture partners is 22 mm-hmm. and the other was ni- is 19. 
and I think they are better uh, examples than what I would be like 10 years ago. So the advice I give to them is like really hustle, study the, the more you can, like really go deep, see what you want, be aware, like be connected because there's so much going on. And if you're really listening and paying attention, like you'll find what you want to do and it will change along the way, but you have like that connection that will make you just like go deeper and mm-hmm. not not rest like there's like now we shouldn't be resting there's mm-hmm. so much to get done I would say to this 19 10 years old just like go for it work as much as you can study as much as you can mm-hmm. and get things done like don't be afraid right yeah. and and so being a part of this podcast you know we view you as a real leader uh, somebody who you know sees a bright future and is doing something about it uh, what would you say your definition of a real leader is? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I really think, at least the, the leaders I follow, uh, it's just like they inspire me so much by doing and mm-hmm. not by talking. Like, and I think that's like the real leader. You want to see people doing and then you just know it's right and you want to be part of that too and that's why the, the whole thing is like good leaders like great leaders they don't make more followers they make more leaders and that's what you want like when you have like the real leaders you're like oh that's so interesting that you probably follow for a little but then when you see you already become a leader and can be the leader of your own life but that's the thing well barbara well <laughs> said we appreciate the hospitality here you got a lovely place and uh Hopefully we'll connect in the future down the road. Oh, thank you. It was really nice. Thanks for your time. <laughs> and that wraps it up for episode seven with Barbara Manuzzi. What an inspiring woman who has raised millions of dollars for good causes. What I found most interesting was that she said or mentioned that venture capitalism is the best way to do philanthropy and investing in companies that have an emphasis on ethical and environmental improvement is the way to go. Just another example of business being used as a force for good. For next time on the Relayers Podcast, I chat with Marco Annunziata, the chief economist at GE, where we dive into transparency, how new innovation is causing economic policy change, and basketball. More inspiring stories, More Real Leaders, next on Episode 8.